Hello there, this is Ricardo Silvestre, the host of the Liberal Europe podcast, European Liberal Forum Project. I hope this uh, podcast finds you well, finds you healthy and determined to go through this crisis and we can do it together. And it's because of this condition that we uh, are right now, which is staying at home, maintaining social distance, that most of the work done by ELF and his partner organizations moved online. So now we are producing or supporting web seminars to continue the work of promoting liberal policies and ideas. So ELF is having a series of events online that we call Liberties on Lockdown. And you can know more about this by visiting the uh, social media of ELF in Twitter and Facebook, and also by visiting liberalforum.eu forward slash events. So with that in mind, uh, we decided to extend our podcast project, and now we are creating the Liberal Europe podcast in lockdown. And this will serve as a way to extend the conversations from those web seminars with some of the guests that were invited for those events. We hope that this lockdown period is as short as possible. So this podcast will live as long as we are going through this uh, situation now. But uh, the idea is for us then to continue uh, working together, staying together, talking together until one day where we can meet in person. So after this introduction, let me present you to the first guest of the podcast, which is Anne Catherine Riedel. Anne Catherine is a chairwoman of the Load Association for Liberal Internet Policy. They also have a website, which is Load EV. And we will talk later in the podcast about the work done by the association. But our conversation will focus on technology that is being developed right now, apps for uh, uh, smartphones to uh, monitor or then to gather information about possible uh, potential uh, coronavirus infected uh, people. And exactly that's where we'll be uh, focusing more on the people. To say that I first met Anne Catherine at the Visegrad Insight Breakfast, which is an event organized by Visegrad Insight, in, in this particular one with the cooperation of the European Liberal Forum. The event had the title Free and Democratic Institutions in Lockdown. And I want to leave here my thank you to our colleagues at Visegrad Insight for putting me in contact with Anne Catherine. So for this first episode of the Liberal Europe podcast in lockdown, it's my pleasure to bring you and Catherine Riedel. I'm here with Anne Catherine Riedel. Anne Catherine, thank you so much for coming to the podcast. Thanks for having me here. Oh, you're here in a very important moment. I uh, already, uh, as I said in the introduction, I saw you uh, speaking on the Visegrad uh, Insight Breakfast, exactly explaining some of the major concerns regarding apps that will be tracking people now with this crisis with the coronavirus. But before we go into the more humane aspect of it, and maybe a little bit even to technical, I want you to help us uh, differentiate these apps that are now coming into the market. One of them, for example, you described as purely as a, a way of controlling physical activity. I'm, I'm very interested in that one because I do exercise every single day. So maybe I can help the Portuguese authorities know what the heck I'm doing. And the other one, and that one will go in a little more detail, has to do with Bluetooth signals and uh, proximity contact. So 
let's start with that. Please help us understand what is what are these apps and what differences do they have? Yeah, this is um, from uh, from from the German perspective. So here in Germany, we have now since Monday or Tuesday. I'm not so familiar anymore with uh, with weekdays. Uh, we have an app which is called um, Data Donation. It's from the Robert Koch Institute, which is an official institute for all this epidemic pandemic uh, stuff. And um, they introduced this app where you, uh, which you can install on your iPhone or your Android device and connect it with your smartwatch or fitness tracker. So like Fitbit or your Apple Watch. And it will send your um, data directly to the Robert Koch Institute. And uh, it's it's collecting your movements, so how many steps you're taking, your heart rate, and if you add the data of your body temperature, but mostly uh, or most often you need another device for that, it will also collect this data from your smartphone and send it to the Hubert Koch Institute. But um, there is already the problem that we have, that I have, that it's not directly the Robert Koch Institute. It's a small startup, an e-health startup, which is collecting the data. So this is um, complete, totally complete um, in accordance to the GDPR. Um, but you have the impression that it's an app from the Robert Koch Institute, but the whole backend, the whole data collection and the um, data procession is made by a startup and the whole software is not open source. It's not really checked and we already had some problems with the app. Okay, the second one is a little more intrusive, let's call it that way. And as we speak, we're, we're recording this during the weekend. Our listeners will listen to this podcast from Wednesday on the 15th. Uh, it, the, the news came from the United States that Apple and Google are also uh, joining efforts in doing this kind of technology, which they call Bluetooth low energy technology. It basically just sees what is the distance between people with cell phones and then that information will be processed if someone gets sick the other people get warned about it so without getting too much into technical details uh, what, what how what is going on in germany regarding this particular uh, app yeah we also um talking about an app based on this technology so using the bluetooth technology and not gps or um the the, the location data from from the um, mobile companies so we have this uh, PEPPT uh, organization which is a pan-european privacy i don't know the name um, completely. So this is a joint project from, from Europe where also a lot of Germans are involved and also a lot of German institutions or organizations are working on an app um, based on this Bluetooth technology. So here's in a way a problem, but it's also good because hopefully the best solution will win, but we will have a lot of different apps. And uh, that what Apple and Google are doing right now, as far as I understand it, is that they are opening their, um, their system, so iOS and Android, 
um, so that there will be some APIs where people can put on apps which are certified by um, health institutions or health, health authorities um, because you need um, the, the, the systems like iOS or Android to use the Bluetooth LE technology um, best because it has to be running all the time and not only while you have unlocked your phone. So there are technical issues. So that's why they joined um, efforts. So um, it will be easier to implement apps on that. But I'm, but I'm still a bit critical what they are doing. They say you as a user um, are, will be always able to to allow these apps to use the data they are collecting or not. But I'm not sure really what they are now playing. I haven't understand everything yet. True. Uh, there's, there's a couple of steps that uh, people have to actively uh, be engaged. Like, for example, if you are diagnosed with COVID-19, you have to add that information to the app and then you have to authorize the, the apps to run that information through a cloud to see what contacts you have. And then that information will go to the people that were in contact and those people get that information. The information will have to be completely uh, anonymous. So a lot of things. But I wanted to have you on the podcast because there is one other side of all of this that needs to be on the forefront all the time. And yeah. that is the focus on the human and not only on the technology and on the data. So yes. without but getting before into... Before you ask me this question, let sure. me add something human to what you said. You also need an authority that, um, that, that verifies that you're infected with COVID-19 because otherwise, and there comes the human, um, everything that can be trolled will be trolled. So mm -hmm. you need an institution that verifies that you're infected but that's the plan with most of the apps so that you cannot say like, I have a cough. Uh, I think I have COVID. I added to my app and everyone will get informed that they may have COVID-19. And um, so there needs to be also an authority that verifies that you're infected. And then um, you get a code or something like that, which you can add into, um, uh, yeah, add into the app so that everyone can be certified. That's but let's a, go to the human. <laughs> yes, but that's a great point because, as you said, it may cause too much confusion, not only technically because this uh, the technology that has been discussed is generate, generating what is called keys, these key yeah. codes, and then it'll cause too much noise and too much confusion if people are just, like you're saying, uh, not di diagnosing themselves and wrongly so. So that is a yeah. great point. Thank you so much for bringing that up. As we get in now into what can go wrong, and a lot of things can go right, and we hope so, but some things that can go wrong, and one of them that you mentioned during that uh, Visegrad Insights breakfast, and I was really interested and wanted to have you here on the pod to talk about that, it's the impersonality of the interaction. It's the, the way that things are being set up right now, which is just an alert, it's an SMS, you get that, and then you will act upon it. But you are, um, you are warning us that this system could not be the, should be better. It's not the, the best one. Tell us why. Yes. So 
first of all, let me stress that I'm totally not against technology. And I think technology can help us as, a hu as humans, as a society in many ways. But I think before we think about a technology that may help us, we need to think about what is the problem and what do we do after we, we solve the problem. Because technology itself won't help us. Um, and especially not against this virus. So the only thing that will help us and protect us against the virus is um, keeping distance and helping us will hopefully drugs or a vaccine. So the technology itself does not help. And I think um, we need to clarify this more often because I have the impression in the German discussion that so many people think that an app or technology uh, in general will protect us and will make everything um, as soon as we use it, um, like in the, the post-corona times, but it doesn't. So my problem is um, regarding thinking about the whole environment, having this holistic view on an app is um, what do we do after a person got an alert, a push notification that you may be infected with COVID-19. So there are several problems, starting with um, what do we know how people do react if they get a message like this. So imagine you have this app installed, look at you and you look at your phone and you get a push notification that someone tagged you on Twitter and you get a notification that someone texted you a message on WhatsApp and then you get the notification that um, with a uh, with a what's it called um, you have a 69% um, possibility that you're infected with COVID-19. So what does it do to you? How do you feel? How do humans feel? What kind of information do we give to people with this push notification? So, and I don't know about your health status, but just imagine you're a risk person. You have um, a disease with your lungs since you're young. And so you're at a very high risk to die from COVID-19 from um, everything we know so far. So being infected with COVID-19 has a totally different um, perspective to you than um, to a very healthy person. And how do you um, understand this um, possibility of 69%? People don't know how to handle this. So if, if there's a possibility of 60% that it will rain today, will you take an umbrella with you or not? So this is um, very difficult, how we inform the people and what will we do afterwards? So do you have the chance to get a test then and where? And what about your family? If you have kids, if you have a wife or a husband, um, are they infected too? Will they get a test too? And there are so many questions we need to talk about when we want an app like this. And I think we are lacking, totally lacking of this discussion. That, those are great points. And um, it, it implies that people have a perception about probability, about statistics, exactly this risk score. What does this mean to people? And as you're saying very correctly, so it can cause even more problems than, than try to solve them. Now, the other thing that we need to worry about it's uh, and even if data is protected and we'll assume that is one of the things in the forefront 
and that is bugs in the system. So this kind of, um, and we know about this, people that deal with technology, which is the platforms, the systems, they're not 100% uh, perfect uh, at their launch. There will be always problems in the beginning. And one thing that you're worried about, it's uh, if, if there is a mix-up, for example, on databases or in names of people or, or in proximity uh, censoring, for example, and then someone gets a message, a push notification saying, hey, you may, you may be infected when that is not happening at all. So please expand a little bit on that. Yeah. So, of course, if you develop an, an app and especially a new app or software in general, you need a whole lot of time for testing. And normally you also need a whole lot of time for a good app design. And that's what I also criticize. So there's that's what I try to stress um, before that you really have to rethink about the whole environment, not only the technical issues and data protection and security and so on, but also um, there need to be a lot of time for testing. For example, this data donation app, which I mentioned before, um, people, well, there, there was the message I saw it on Twitter from the Robert Koch Institute that they now have this app. People got totally confused because they thought it's the tracing app, but it was not. So they um, downloaded the app. And then I saw a lot of screenshots from people saying, OK, because you were um, they ask you for your postal code. And people um, showed this uh, screenshot from the app and saying, um, "This the app doesn't find my postal code. Don't they want me? I live in Berlin. What's wrong? And it didn't work because um, their server um, was totally overwhelmed by all the requests. Mm. So my thought was, okay, when you want every German in, as a, in a perfect situation to use this app and you don't have the server capacities um, for all the requests, uh, it's not a good impression. Then there was a typo I saw on the, on the, um, on the screenshots. And for me, it gave me the impression, okay, when there are typos in the writing, how good is the code behind uh, controlled and checked? Mm -hmm. So it gave me a very bad uh, impression. And then I saw a lot of um, screenshots in, in, the, in the last days from people um, that said, well, it's still not connecting to my, to, to my um, fitness tracker. And there is an a symbol where you can see how many days of data you already have donated. And some say, well, um, it's mentioned 14 days, but it's not possible because we just have the absence this week. Some said there's still um, a zero mentioned. So it looks like there's some buggy stuff. And we have, we have a, such an important issue here and we need so much trust um, in the people and in the technology because this is such an important thing and health data is so precious um, we we need to have a lot of testing and um, regarding your question yes what do we do if there are some mistakes if we don't have the the environment the the checks and balances like ngos checking if 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 the data is uh, stored correctly and the 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 notifications are sent out correctly so we have no um yeah no no infrastructure here for oversight and we need the infrastructure with testing so that if you receive a message which may be false so not directed to you but to another person you need to have this um clarification with a test in 
all this stuff because if this if this is anonymous you can't really find out if the message was um to was was directed to you or should be should have been directed to you or not i'm very worried because with the rush of trying to get these things out as soon as possible because people are afraid and rightfully so uh, let's hope that there's a lot of uh, tech savvy people taking care of this now you mentioned something really really interesting and that is the the servers not being capable of processing so much information and of course for a question of equality if these apps are working and if they're working properly then we want everyone to have access to it. we don't want any kind of disparity where people have a smartphone and it can use it it can be online and then the people don't have that either because they don't have it or because they're in some place where they don't have that kind of access so how do we solve that well um there's especially the question um if people are forced to use an app and i think this is a very important question and luckily we here in germany have the opinion that it should be um your own own choice if you use the app and i really hope we stick to that because i think that's so important but of course if you have an app that might be useful i'm not sure with that but let's put it away we have an app and everyone should use it and everyone maybe will is willing to use it because everyone wants to help with this which which is a good intention and situation um you a lot of people can't imagine that only 79% of the germans from 14 above have a smartphone so not every german is able to take part in this or able to maybe protect or get the information that they might be infected um, with the coronavirus through an app. And a lot of smartphones aren't, um, aren't, uh, are not on the, in the state of art that they will be, that they have this Bluetooth LE technology because they are just too old. And there's some are so old that they are not um, working with the newest um, Android or iOS systems. So we had this also with the data donation app that people said, my smartphone is too old, I can't um, use this app. And so we have to think about how can um, everyone take part in this technology? Is there, are there um, socioeconomic barriers and I think there are a lot, and we have this discussion on a very academic and high level, uh, yeah, high level level, because I don't know, I think everyone who's taking part in this discussion is having a smartphone, a very new one, so they can't, really can't imagine that there are people out there who don't have a smartphone, who can't afford um, the newest smartphone, and some people still don't want to have a smartphone or are overwhelmed by the technology and all this stuff. So we really have to think about how can we enable everyone to take part in this, especially when we think about, and I, um, again, I hope we don't think about this, say, okay, people are just allowed to go to specific places um, when they have an app, for example. So um, this wouldn't be possible for a lot of people because they don't have 
the the hardware for this and the money to buy the the correct hardware to use an app those those are great points from you and the other one it's the, the really important also it's the person that don't want to people have their rights and they can say i don't want to be followed i don't want to give my information i don't want to be contact tracing so those are the, all things that we have to think about it as we move forward now and catherine as we're moving to the end of conversation try to do a little bit of a, of a, an exercise of imagination in here this thing is in the market this thing is going full steam ahead what are for you the uh, desired outcomes regarding Uh, what is dangerous, what is positive, what is reasonable to uh, to have as a trade-off between, you know, the two sides of the of the of the scale here. So what do you see in the near future? Well, that's a tough question. You know, I really hope because I um, I wrote an article which I sent you in advance and, um, and we, we talked about at this point, so this whole holistic view. And, you know, a lot of people, a lot of Germans say we Germans are so technology phobic. We hate everything and we question everything and we love data protection. And yes, we do theoretically. Um, and I think it's so important to be critical, which does not mean you have to be against technology or digitalization, but you have to think about what do you want to do with it? Mm. Um, so you have to ask the right question in advance so that you can enable digital solutions. And I think it's a good way to be critical because being critical does not mean that you're against it. And because so many civil liberties, so many fundamental rights are involved in this, this, this discussion in this app, We have to have it. And I really hope that people will recognize that there is no, that this technological solu solutionism is, um, is an illusion. So you have, you can add technology as a part of a solution. And people always look to Asia and say, well, look, they have an app and they can um, contain infected people and they, they, they fight the virus in a better way. Yes, But they also have, like when you look at China, they have a huge surveillance system with cameras outside, with face recognition. They track everyone, um, everyone's movement. And the same in, in um, South Korea, for example. They also use the data from your payments and everything. So this is a, and they, they test a lot more. So this is a um, total different environment. And they also don't only use an app. They have a, Like I said, testing around it and, and uh, testing in the entrances of buildings and all of this stuff. So um, I really hope that we will get to this point where we recognize that technology can be a part of it, but it's not the only solution. And that we have to have this critical discussion right now because I'd love to use health data for the better for solving uh, severe diseases and all of this stuff. But we need to have the trust from the people. We need to have, uh, we need to handle this data so carefully because you can do so much horrible thing with especially health data. People can't, can't imagine what you can see just from the body temperature, for example. And um, so 
we need to be critical, we need to be careful so that we can um, create a base for future developments, for um, finding solutions in health with a lot of trust and data protection and security and all of this stuff. So we will you can we can use technology for the better against corona, the coronavirus and um, health issues um, in the future. Yes, it's the old dilemma between liberty and safety and how yeah. much do we give do, how much do we want to give up on liberty to have safety even if it is a temporary because experience tells us that that liberty that you lost for temporary safety, then those liberties are very hard to uh, get back again. Yeah. And I don't think that it's about losing liberty. I think we don't have to lose liberty if we take the time to think a bit more about what we want and how can we solve it with um, saving our liberty. I think this is possible. And for me, this is innovation. Everything else is just new. Yes. Well, on a lighter note, and Catherine, you said that German people are tech phobic. Uh, my yeah. German car begs to differ because <laughs> my German car, there's technology all over the place. So you, you Germans are putting a lot of technology, at least in the cars. Yeah. But, you know, um, we, we, we Germans, we need some time until we get to know that technology might be a good way. I give you an example. So because now it's not a real shutdown, because but because everyone needs to be at home, uh, or should be at home, and everyone is sent to home office. Um, a lot of company, and especially our state, our government, our administration, is um, not ready for digitalization. So they they work on paper. They have no e um, electronic. Um, I don't know the word, the, 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 the paperwork, the, the authorities all do. There's no digitalization because there is no need for that. And people are very skeptical. You know, um, um, digital payment is nearly not possible in especially small stores, for example. So we are very critical and very and, and we want everything 100 percent secure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's why our cars are so good. So the technology is perfect. But it took a while to uh, develop it and to implement it. So we're, yeah, we are very critical, and um, we, we, yeah, that's how we are. Seventy-nine well, percent just have a smartphone. <laughs> well, at least then this crisis could help uh, German society then to get a little more, uh, so. more technology uh, savvy. All right. And Catherine, this has been a fantastic conversation. I would love to have you back so that we can go into more details. But for now, tell us a little bit about the work you guys do at the Load Association and that we can see on the website, Load EV. So tell us what you guys are doing on a field, uh, especially in German, but uh, for our listeners that can follow your work. Yeah, so we try to ensure civil liberties in the digital sphere. That's our main focus. Um, so we try to um, yeah, force politicians, policymakers to do good uh, legislation regarding uh, yeah, everything digital. So, for example, we, um, 
We organized demonstrations and wrote a lot of letters against the copyright directive last year. Maybe some people remember this, this Article 13 mm -hmm. upload filter thing. Um, so we said this is against freedom of speech and uh, against um, small and medium enterprises and startups. And it's not a good idea, this implementation. And of course, uh, copyright should be um, ensured and saved in the digital sphere. Um, we also do a lot regarding cybersecurity. So we say, um, or, or cyber defense, we say we need a an international contract against cyber weapons like we have um, against um, nuclear weapons or chemical weapons. Um, we do a lot yeah, regarding freedom of speech, with, which is my focus, or um, disinformation. So what can we do against disinformation on different platforms? How do we need to regulate, uh, regulate um, digital platforms such as Facebook, Google, Twitter, and whatever? And um, yeah, that's what we do. So a very broad, um, a broad, broad spectrum of topics. So nearly everything digital. And yeah, we do this um, as a voluntary work. So I do it also as a chairwoman. I have a job and a digital communication next to it. And it's, I think, so much fun, but also, um, yeah, we have a lot to do because even in Germany and even in Europe, um, a lot of regulation is against um, civil liberties. And so that's what we try to do, ensure them also in the digital sphere. This is very good and important work you guys do. I'll put the link to the website on the description of the podcast. Also, you're on Twitter and yes. I'm going to put the link on Twitter so that you can follow uh, what Anne Catherine it's doing and helping us uh, get a better life w through technology and to all those things that you said that we have to be very careful about. And again, you opened a lot of avenues for us to have further discussions. I would like to have you back on the podcast. Until then, I'm going to thank you so much for coming and talking to me. Thank you. It was so much fun. The Liberal Europe podcast It's organized by the European Liberal Forum with the support of Movimento Liberal Social in Portugal. This podcast is co-founded by the European Parliament and the European Parliament is not responsible for the contents of this podcast or any use that may be made of it. The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the European Parliament and or the European Liberal Forum. Yeah.